and welcome to a brand new episode of Record Talk Listen. My name is Lydia and thank you so much for joining me. On today's show, it is the triumphant return of Dr. John O'Rourke from Frostburg State University, or as we like to call him here, Johnny O, Dr. Johnny O. Um, he is going to be talking about, um, educate, he's going to be educating the public as best as he can about uh, politics and the government and how it works. So we've decided to do a series of podcasts together to help inform the general public at large exactly what's going on and how you can either change it or just be just generally more well-informed. This week's episode, we're talking about executive orders. There's a lot of those happening lately. We're going to talk about if it's historically something that's pretty normal or if this is something out of the ordinary. Now, we want... uh, the audience to fully participate in this. So if you have a topic that you would like us to cover, make sure to send us an email and that is recordtalklisten at gmail.com. Johnny O is no stranger to this podcast and he has two previous episodes and you can find those on our website and that is recordtalklisten.com. All 96 episodes are available there along with um, great links regarding each episode and more information. So it's a wealth of uh, great stuff there so check it out um and also while you're there we have a donate button on the right hand side worst case scenario when you hit that button and don't be afraid to do it is that you support your local podcast so we're able to bring you great content like the episode you're about to hear so without further ado let's get right into the episode with the reverend dr john (laughs) o'rourke Johnny O, you're back. I'm back. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. Um, Now more than ever. Oh, yes. Now's a very interesting time to live. Yes. Interesting times, right? Interesting times. So um, instead of perpetuating what pretty much everybody else knows to be true, um, we're going to remain positive and educational. Do our best. Do do our best. And we're going to talk about executive orders. Executive orders, yes. They seem to be... A pretty hot button issue these days. They are the activity of the week, it seems. Yes, yes. Yes. That's not unusual, though. Yeah. Before we go into what they are, uh, Mr. Obama issued a a flurry of executive orders when he first took office. Okay. So often with the change from one to another, Mm -hmm. party to party, that is. Yeah. That's not unusual. Okay. So the first thing is, Everybody who's getting up in arms about the number that Mr. Trump is issuing, mm-hmm. not quite yet. Okay, if so it's it normal. keeps rolling like this, I think we counted 14 over the last week yeah, and a half, yeah. then we'd have something to talk about. Okay, so uh, not unusual, especially with the change in party. Yeah, the doing, not unusual. The number still has potential to be... Unusual? Yeah. Okay, well, that seems to be pretty usual for this <laughs> president. Um, so... 14 actions in two weeks. Um, 14. Yeah. Wide range of issues as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess where do you want to get started at the okay. very beginning? Let's talk about what an executive order is. Or there's actually three different things that have been coming out of the White House recently. Executive orders. Okay. Uh, executive proclamations. And executive memoranda. They are largely similar in that The president is authorized to issue all three of them. None of them is a violation of the law. They're all within his purview. Okay. They all also share standing in law. 
In other words, the courts have ruled that executive orders, proclamations, and memoranda have the same standing as law. Don't do it. You can legally be punished for it. Okay. Uh, it's one of the contentious points about it in the development of the U.S. political system is whether this is bypassing the separation of powers yeah. and empowering the executive branch with legislative powers. Mm-hmm. The courts have pretty much put that to bed. Okay. And it's like, eh, maybe that's the case, but it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We're going to let it go. So the legal issue stands pretty well resolved. Of yeah. course, another court could always come along and change mm-hmm. the precedent, but we're good with that. Um, an executive order, proclamation, and memoranda have pretty much the same effect, but there are certain differences between them. For example, executive orders are numbered. Okay. Which makes them easier to find. If you're a researcher mm-hmm. or if you're an average citizen, it's easier to find executive order 1055. Okay. Then a memorandum that was issued on February 1st. So you have to know the date when the Okay. Right. All right. It's getting easier with the internet. Mhm. More and more information is online accessible and with uh, Google word searches. Yes. Full text uh, documents online. Mm-hmm. It's getting easier. Good. Otherwise, in the old days, <laughs> a paper hunt. Well. And uh, proclamations and memoranda didn't necessarily have to be on file. Okay. The uh, executive orders are required by law to be published in the Federal Register. Okay. But I then, mean, on file, I mean, they have to be publicly on file. Right, right. And that's what the Federal Register is. Okay. It is a record of government actions that accessible to the population. The pu- yeah, the public, yeah. Not so with proclamations and memoranda. So they're a little sneakier. Yeah. It can be harder. I mean, again, with the internet age, as soon as it comes out and someone takes a picture of it, it can be transcribed and put on a, a public access form. Okay. But... From what I understand, it still is not the obligation of the government to provide that. Executive orders, yes. The other two, no. But you can. Yeah, you can find. They're accessible. They're just not as And the White House can publish them. Okay. I mean, that's the point of the um, whitehouse.gov website Mm -hmm. is to keep the public informed. Okay. But it's up to the executive's discretion. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? Ah, an executive order ever since President Johnson, oh, excuse me, President Kennedy, President Kennedy issued an executive order that said from here on out, executive authority, executive orders must cite the authority the president has to issue it. Okay, so you have to say why. Right. Yeah. There has to be a point of not law just I said somewhere. So. <laughs> exactly. And that's not the case with proclamation and memoranda. Okay. If you can't find a point of law to support it, then you just do a lot. You just do. It's got to do one of the other. One of the two. other. Okay. But see, and that's sort of a fine procedural point. Yeah. Because if the courts say they all have legal standing, they're all legit. Then you don't really need to support it then. Right. Mm. Um, for me and for other observers, an executive order because of that has more legitimacy. Yeah. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But who cares what I think about legitimacy when the law says it's, it's, it stands? Yeah, exactly. All of them can be changed by future presidents or by the same president later. So if they, like, if they decide to change their mind? Correct. 
Or, for example, one of the things people are talking about now, can Mr. Trump rescind Mr. Obama's executive orders? Mm -hmm. No. Can he replace them or remove them with a new executive order? Yes. Yes. Okay. He can also amend them. Interesting. Executive orders can be amended. Proclamations and memoranda, as I understand, have to be replaced. So if you don't like a piece of a proclamation, but you like the rest of it, you can amend. You give it. a new one. Okay. Okay. An order can be amended. We'll take section one and two, but number three is gone. Okay. Again, it's sort of a fine legal point that, for most people, is largely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And ever since 2014, Congress has required that the White House Office of Management and Budget has to report the cost of executive orders. But that is not the case with the other two. Okay. So there are more rules around executive order, which also sort of reinforces my bias as to giving them more legitimacy Mm -hmm. in my mind. It also helps to explain why proclamations and memoranda are sometimes more attractive. Mm -hmm. You want to do something, but you don't exactly have the law behind you, I mean, clearly you can't do anything illegal. Right. We hope. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Because that's what the courts are for. Yeah. You do something and then they, after the fact, tell you that it's legal or illegal. Illegal. Okay. We might have some issues with that with Mr. Trump as well, but Uh we'll talk about that. Okay. But the executive order up front has the authority built into it, stated, Mm -hmm. and it also has cost estimates. Okay. So I... Think those are two positive elements. I, I agree, and it might be a deterrent for doing an executive order right. as opposed to a memorandum, or right, a, or know. at least it might slow you down and make you think about it. How badly more do thoroughly. you want it? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Under what justification? I think under what justification is an excellent question that people should always be asking. Okay, when they're promulgating statements that have the standing of law, have the impact of law, mm-hmm. because it affects people's lives. Clearly, as we've seen over the past two weeks. Right. And the money part. We live in a world in which so many people run against government. Mm-hmm. What some people in the press are now calling the um, the modern populism. Yeah. And one of the things that people mean when they say they run against government is they're running against government spending. Okay. So cost estimates are particularly important as well. Mm-hmm. It gives people a better idea of what you're doing. And in a responsive democracy, giving the people a better idea of what you're doing is what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Transparency. Transparency, indeed. Good. So Mr. Trump has been busy, (laughs) although not as busy as some. Mm -hmm. I did some quick review. I was going to say, who has the most executive orders? Do we know? FDR. Oh, good old FDR. No, the site that I looked at did not distinguish among the three. Okay. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, executive orders have been the more common throughout history. But on the other hand, the 37 plus, 37 plus 100 that FDR issued mm-hmm. were over a 12-year span. Okay. So, so I mean, he had, yeah. he had time on his side for yes. the amount. Yeah. Everybody else has two-thirds of that. Right. So... It's not unusual. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. Plus, it was such a difficult time in history. It was indeed. And a huge growth for the country. It was indeed. And he faced, at least in the beginning, a very resistant Congress. Yes. Uh, He also, like Mr. Trump, 
suggests that he had a mandate from the people and therefore he was obligated to act. Okay. Now, I don't believe Mr. Trump has ever made the claim that he has a mandate from the people. No. But I do believe he is claiming that he is living up to his campaign promises. Yes, I would agree with that statement. He has thoroughly said that I'm doing exactly what I said I was going to do. Exactly. And if he wants to make a good impression on his base, Mm -hmm. um, he has to live up to the symbolic promises as quickly as possible. Is that why you think he's showing his signature on all the executive order? That, and I think that's just his personality. Okay, yeah. Um, He has to... He's setting a precedent there, I would imagine. He has to put himself into everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just seems a little strange. The act of signing has traditionally been, you know, the the photographic moment. Right, yeah, it's a photo op, and usually it's about a bill that's passing, like the equal pay amendment. Um, in a video, you'll see them actually signing. But mm-hmm. the, fo- the photograph is somebody bent over the desk, pen moving. Right. And that's been sufficient. Um, for some reason, Mr. Trump feels compelled to show it. Show and tell. You know? Show and tell, mm-hmm. yes. And I'm not really sure why, but I suspect it has to do with his particular uh, personality characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to be uh, front and center, prove it. Right. So. And he's been busy. He's got a, a long list of 14 things, I believe I counted. Now, I only I stopped counting on Tuesday. Okay. I stopped my prep for uh, this on Tuesday. So if anything happened on um, February 1st, okay. I missed it. Okay. But here's the short breakdown. Uh, and I'll try to distinguish between order, memorandum, or... Um, proclamation. Proclamation. I'll try to remember to list which is which. Okay. The first I have here is an order instructing agencies that whenever they introduce a regulation, they must first abolish two others. Yeah, I read that and I just don't understand. It's not like you're trying to live a minimalist lifestyle where you bring one item in and you have to to exchange one. You buy a new shirt, you got to get rid of of a shirt. Right, exactly. I just don't, I don't think that that's how that works. Is that, I mean, am I crazy for thinking? No, here's what I think he's going through his head. His promise to reduce government. Government's too big. Too big, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means one new regulation, two old regulations are gone. Now, it doesn't have the <laughs> same doesn't make the same sense as buying a new article of clothing and mm-hmm. discarding two others. Right. You don't go out and buy, let's say to stretch the analogy way beyond sure. what it needs to be, uh-huh. uh, a pair of socks and throw out two shirts. Right. The shirts serve different purposes than the socks. Yeah. This is the problem with this particular order. Uh What if you want to do something in a new direction? Mm -hmm. Change the focus of the agency or add something to it. uh, Something that was not anticipated previously. Okay. God forbid some sort of crisis hits the country. Uh You have to address it. So you have to get rid of two things before. The presumption is you have too much stuff, too many regulations. So any two can go. I mean, that just puts agencies in a really bad position because how are you? It's just as a deterrent to uh, to create any new regulations that might benefit us. Is that that is the bottom line for Mr. Trump? It's a deterrent. Mm -hmm. And the other interesting about that reminds me. 
executive orders are usually directed at uh, the structure of the government, the agency, the operational agents themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas proclamations and memoranda can have a broader scope. Okay. Uh, most of these, I believe, are all directed at a government agency. Even the most contentious one we'll get to. Mm-hmm. So a memorandum, this one is Restructuring National Security Council and Homeland Security Council. A memorandum directing the Secretary of Defense to draw up a plan within 30 days to defeat ISIS. Oh, oh, that's great. Drop. I hope it means drop a plan within 30 days. Not, not to, to defeat, defeat ISIS, ISIS in 30 30. days? Well, well, I'm not really sure. Yeah, well. Um, an order to lengthen the ban on administrative officials working as lobbyists. Currently, there's a five-year ban on officials becoming lobbyists after they leave the government mm-hmm. and a lifetime ban for White House employees, staff. Okay. So he wants to lengthen the time. Sort of how do you lengthen a lifetime <laughs> I lengthen the time beyond five years beyond five years <laughs> uh let's see what else do we have here? Oh, this is the one that's in the news an executive order imposing a hundred and twenty day suspension of the refugee program and a ninety day ban on travel to the u s from citizens from Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, and the Sudan. This one I think we come back to because this one has action from the judiciary that's complementing it. Yes. Two orders about uh, border security, immigration enforcement, the U.S.-Mexico border, hiring new agents, things like that. But isn't there also a government freeze on new hires? There is a government freeze on new hires, but only with respect to certain agencies. Okay. The OMB, the Office of Budget and Management... um, Office of Management Budget, <laughs> issued a clarifying statement yesterday. Okay. Which I read and didn't really clarify that much. It explained that there are exceptions, and it seemed to me that temporary employment, internships and things like that mm-hmm. were accepted. And there is an out for agencies if the agency head can make a compelling argument for the hire. Okay. All right. So, so there are loopholes. There are loopholes. Okay. Yes. Memorandum calling for a 30-day review of military readiness. Okay. Mr. Trump, in uh, some of his campaign speeches, suggested that the U.S. military was not prepared. Okay. Two orders for the Keystone XL pipeline and Dakota Access pipelines to be reinstated. Right. Uh Three other orders related to those issues. Uh, expediting environmental process, uh, permit processing for infrastructure and things like that. Mm-hmm. Another order in stating the Mexico City policy, banning federal funding for any age, international agency that uh, funds abortion poly- uh, programs. Yeah. A notice, which I imagine would be considered a proclamation that the U.S. will begin withdrawing from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, Mm -hmm. an order imposing a hiring freeze Mm -hmm. with loopholes, as we just (laughs) concluded, which excludes the military. Remember, Mr. Trump ran under a Republican ticket, Mm -hmm. even though not everyone is convinced he's actually a Republican. Right. But under that ticket, any sort of austerity measures will generally exclude military, military establishment personnel 
and budgeting. Okay. The standard part of, for example, the Republican Study Committee's uh, yearly budget proposal. Okay. And let's see. The last one I have listed here is an order that directs federal agencies to ease the regulatory burdens of Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the short of it is that if an agency finds that implementation would cause a fiscal burden, then they can waive, defer, grant exemptions from implementing that, particular that yeah. mm -hmm. component part. Right. Um, also, if it uh, imposes burdens on individuals, families, health care providers, health insurance, patients, recipients, anyone, their dog, cat, sure. then they can waive implementation. Uh, yeah, well, that was also a signature element of the Republican campaign all the way up and down the line. Well, I, under, I don't, but I don't understand it. I mean, it's obviously it's working. Uh, statistically, more people have health care. It's a less burden on the system. It doesn't cost that much to implement. Actually helps the burden of the states for Medicaid patients. Right. Um, I think they're just missing the whole point, really. Well, it could be just as simple as some authors are suggesting that they want to reduce Mr. Obama's legacy. I would agree with that. I mean, just because it's called the Affordable Care Act. It's interesting that they don't use that word in the media. And if you ask right. people, um, oh, are you for the Affordable Care Act? They say yes. And if you right. say, are you for Obamacare? They say no. Exactly. They do not know that it is the same thing. There have been numbers of uh, interviews done by mainstream press yeah. where people have been quite shocked mm -hmm. when they found out that if the Republican proposal to repeal actually is initiated they stand a chance of losing their health care coverage absolutely i think a lot of people were hoodwinked true. with that so. that's true yeah i agree with you on that um it reminds me of our discussion about brexit yes misleading information right uh, we'll take away the nhs if exactly. you exactly yeah. mm -hmm. in that case we'll get all this more money mm -hmm. for the nhs the national health service because we won't be paying our dues to the EU. And it, it, it was a lie. It was a total lie because right. you can't do that without legislation. There, exactly. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And that's what Mr. Trump's going to run to, too, as well. Mm -hmm. He, um, many of the things that he, would, he promised he would do in his campaign, yeah. he can't do without legislation. Right. Executive orders refer to the actions of the executive branch. So you might say, well, wait a minute. What about the 120-day uh, suspension of refugee program and 90-day ban, what that actually does is direct agents of the Custom and Border Patrol mm -hmm. to stop people at the borders. Right. Somebody has to implement that policy. So this is how it qualifies as an executive order. It is directed at a particular executive agency mm -hmm. to do something. And in this case, to suspend... For 120 days, and to to forbid entry for 90 days. Right. That's how it can get by as an executive order, rather than a change in the law. And it was immediate. It was like an immediate effect. It was. Yeah. There was no notice. And Mr. Trump's argument that if he had given two weeks' notice, bad hombres would get into the country. Yeah. Bad guy. Bad dudes would be bad here. Bad dudes. Yeah. Here's the problem with that argument. Um, people in the Middle East, particularly from areas that have known terrorist cells and mm -hmm. organizations, 
have to go through an extensive vetting process. Like almost two years. Vetting is the term that we use all the time. I mean, it's a review. Yeah. You have to submit documentation. You have to get supporting documentation. You have to identify where you've been, who your contacts have been. Mm -hmm. And it does take two years. You have to file Mm -hmm. all the paperwork and then you have to be investigated. I mean, honestly, the refugees are probably more vetted than half the people being appointed to the cabinet. Well, there is that, yes. Yeah, I mean, Letting people slip by with incomplete uh, portfolios of information is, is not great. reprehensible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you this know. is just setting yourself up for ethics charges left and right. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just is an incredible... Um, I, it just, I can't believe... I mean, if I, I say this all the time, I can't believe this is happening. And it's, you hear all of these stories of people that were on... They were in the mid, mid-air. Right. And then they land yep. and they go, oh, by the way, you I know you had back. no idea that yes. this was happening. And neither did we, actually. So right. you got to go. And uh, there were stories of East Coast uh, airports where Congress people went and tried to talk to the, the Border Patrol people, right. the Customs and Border Protection people. And they wouldn't meet with them. Now, I have to say... I'm not surprised, and I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't fault them. Right. I can see the logic behind it. If they go out there in public, then they're going to be targeted. Mm-hmm. They're rocking a hard place scenario. Right, I mean, they are basically have been told to do something. They're not right. making the rules, they just have to... Defying an executive yeah. order, has, the executive order has the standing of law. Mm-hmm. It is the equivalent. You can be penalized for it. Yeah. If you're a government agent and you're not doing... What this is telling you to do, clearly one of the consequences could be that you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Depending on the type of the situation, you could also be charged with treason, Okay, which is an uh, imprisonable offense. Mm-hmm. That's a little worse than losing your job. Yeah, I think so. On the other hand, you have a legitimate representative of the legislative branch the executive is supposed to be responsible to the legislative branch. Right. So, again, you have a rock and a hard place situation for the individual employees. Yeah. I would honestly say that if I were one of them, I would hide in the back room, too. Right, exactly. And have security keep everyone away from me. Right, because, you know, like like I said before, it's not their fault. Right. They have to do that. Right. And I think that the majority of the people realize that, hopefully. Uh, there were major protests. And there was a federal injunction. There were three federal actions, judicial actions. Um, One from Brooklyn, one from Virginia, a federal court in Brooklyn, Virginia, and the most recent one, uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Um, Each issuing a temporary stay of the executive, of a part of the executive order. Okay. Depending on what was filed in which court. Okay. The most recent one, the Los Angeles one, in a temporary ruling, ordered U.S. officials to refrain from removing, detaining, or blocking the entry of plaintiffs or any other person with a legal immigrant visa. Right. In other words, the executive order, according to this, summarize all three of them, Mm -hmm. seems to have violated or run contrary to existing law. Which would be a legally that obtained visa. cannot happen. Right. Right. Okay. Executive orders cannot contravene existing law. Okay. They can expand upon. They can explain. They can supplement. Mm-hmm. But 
they cannot replace. Right. They can replace other executive orders and they can amend them or memoranda or uh, proclamations, but not a law. Mm -hmm. So the law is if you have what's colloquially known as a green card or legal immigration status, Uh an executive order cannot supersede that. Yeah, because you have obtained it legally. That was the uh, the bulk of all three of the justices' ruling, okay. but the Los Angeles one was the most sweeping in its scope. Okay, and the federal courts can't do anything immediately because there has to be a trial. What they do is they issue a stay, a temporary injunction against it, and then they'll so have the then they can prove the burden. The action continues. Yeah, like one of the executive orders about border patrol is um, immigration and customs uh, frequently when they find people are in the country illegally, Mm -hmm. they release them pending trial date. So it's colloquially known as catch and release policy. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the executive orders suspended that policy. So now they have to be, now we have to hold them. So now you have to hold them. The injunction by the court said that it's, it's along the same lines. It said that you can't do that with somebody who has legal papers. Right. You have to catch and release, to use the term, term poorly in the new context. Right. Um, because they have legal rights mm-hmm. to be here. Right. If at the end of the proceedings, the court injunction is vacated either the full court or after a full hearing this judge or an appeals court decides that no the justice made a mistake Mm -hmm. the executive order is okay then they can implement it and effectively if they want they can go collect all the people who are allowed in and detain them and vet them and Put them under a more intense microscope, whatever they want to do at that point. Okay. That's where that stands currently. And that's... That's some murky stuff. Well, that's the part that everyone in the news has been clamoring about. This is a constitutional crisis. Okay. And here's what the constitutional crisis is. A court orders an action to be taken or not to be taken. The executive branch, the executive branch executes implements puts into place if they do not implement the decision of the federal court is that violating the constitutional prerogative of the federal judiciary yeah now Uh, there are marshals u.s marshals mm -hmm. under the jurisdiction of the federal judiciary right but do you really want to send the U.S. Marshals in against customs officials? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To security agencies, police agencies, working for the same government. Right. In contradiction to each other, in conflict with each other. That would be, that would be a problem. I think so, that would yeah. Be terrible. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, Ignoring a federal court issue, right, is that, problematic as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, to take it, 
that far and the, the three federal courts issued right. um is is not something to take right. lightly each one depending on the language of each one it, they may only affect the airports in their jurisdiction okay probably not mm-hmm. i haven't actually seen the text okay it would be highly unusual for a judge to say only lax right in the the third district only right Right. It's just where you file it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the United States is divided up into a series of districts governed by different courts, mm-hmm. uh, all at the same level. But in general, a decision in one federal court has universal standing across the country. It would set precedence, wouldn't it? For once, a well away. Once the case is heard, heard right. it would set precedence. But it might be encouraging for other federal judges to see that these stays have been placed. And then, That's true. But um, what they want to avoid is um, every federal district having to hear the same case. True, yeah. Because there's a likelihood that they will come up with different decisions. Okay, yeah. Which is what initiates what's affectionately known as the race to the court. Mm-hmm. You, let's just simplify. You have a conservative and a liberal. Mm-hmm. A policy comes out. Neither one of them is very happy with it, but for different reasons, obviously. Right, right, right. So each one of them wants to get the court to clarify in their favor. Mm -hmm. Some districts are known as being more staffed by more liberal judges. Okay. While others are being uh, known as being staffed as more conservative. So just whoever gets to whichever district first. Whoever gets to the district court and files the paper first, their case goes on the docket. The other one is combined. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know that this was a case of race to the court. No, I don't. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's why Virginia, Northern Virginia, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and Los Angeles. Los Angeles were the courts of uh, in which these things were filed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and also, um, not to forget that those are pretty uh, populous well, with immigrants. Right. Uh, this would working, where yeah. people would become, large groups of people would be coming, coming in. in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the East Coast. Uh, between New York and the Washington airports, yeah, you've got like, a huge, huge amount of yeah, the percentages. Absolutely, yeah, and then and LA LAX. As well. I can only imagine what goes on there. Oh. How many, the volumes of people that go through? Massive, massive. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that I think is on everybody's tongue is the ban, and then the fact that the refugees that have been waiting for two years to come into the country now have to wait an additional 120 days. Right. Um, and what I I heard an interesting definition between an immigrant and a refugee. And an immigrant uh-huh. wants to come here to better their lives from wherever they're coming from. And a refugee wants to basically save their life. Right. And they don't really care where they go as long as it's not where they currently right. are. And they don't get to pick where they get to go. Exactly. And I think a lot of people think that if they're from Syria, they're going, where would you like to go? And they click the, they check right. the U.S. box. They don't care. They're just trying to stay alive. Well, did you hear about the... Um the reports about the phone call between Mr. Trump and the Australian Prime Minister. I ha- I did read that. It was supposed to be an hour-long phone conversation. Right. It was shortened to 30 minutes in right. which he uh, berated the Australian Prime Minister and hung up. Well, the point that I was going to make is reference to refugee versus immigrant. Yeah. There's 1,200 people. In a detention center, yeah. Right. Off the coast of Australia. And we, they had, and again, they said refugees don't get to pick where they go. Mm-hmm. Through neg- negotiations, 
The United States agreed to take 1,200 of these people. Right. Whether this is their first choice or not. Right. Is largely irrelevant. Probably not their first choice now, but. Probably not now. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, that just reinforces the point. Immigrants mm-hmm. pick refugees, get picked for it. Right. They get, yeah. Immigrants choose they to get come. placed. Refugees choose to leave. Yes. Yes, it's um, and the thing about the 120 days, uh, it's 120 days for now. He could extend it. It could be extended, or even conceivably, I'm not sure that this would happen. It could be he could terminate it tomorrow. Okay. Say, executive orders. He's the executive. He can change them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can amend his own executive order. Right. I don't see with the rhetoric that he has used to support his campaign and his presidency. I don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, What people are, immigration attorneys and advocates, they are more concerned that 120 days will be extended to 365 days or 312 days Mm -hmm. or doubled. Right. A third of a year to three years. Yeah. And that's problematic. Absolutely, because you can't really run a program like that, and you can't, right. you cannot, I mean, I don't think we could really, how are you supposed to let people in and out of your country willingly in the freedom of movement? Well, that, yeah, that's... That's a problem. The refugee issue was addressed in the Geneva Convention. Oh, right, right. And... Isn't that a violation of the Geneva Convention? Yes. Yeah, well, that's a problem. But that, of course, is also... All these things are debatable under international law until somebody goes to court and a court rules. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't actually participate in the International Court of Justice, the U.S. Okay. We withdrew during the 1980s um, when the Nicaraguan government charged that the U.S. was involved in illegally mining Nicaraguan harbors. Okay. And the international court agreed to take up the case, and we decided that we would not be subject. And okay. that's the way with international treaties and conventions. The international court, you, according to international, the laws of international sovereignty, you get to decide whether you are going to be under their jurisdiction or not. Mm-hmm. If you're a big, powerful country, that decision stands. If you're a smaller country, sometimes you don't have those options. Right. Um, the Geneva Convention is written. We've all agreed to it. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's withheld. It would be. It would be nice. I mean, because it, it, it's such a dangerous precedent. Um, if you don't uphold a part of it, what about the other part? Right. I, right. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. I mean, you, I mean, you this can't. Is, yes. This is the Geneva Convention on uh, Treatment of Refugees. Yep. But what about, I mean, the discussion came up with the use of waterboarding. Yeah, torture. What about the the, uh, treatment of prisoners of war? Right. Uh, And then what constitutes a prisoner, what constitutes a war? You get into all these discussions that if you are going to engage in the international community, they could come back to bite you mm-hmm. when they are applied to your people. Right. And that's always a threat. And that's what, for example, the State Department traditionally worries about 
uh, political interference in international laws mm -hmm. for domestic reasons. Right. What's this going to do to our jobs of protecting U.S. citizens abroad? Right. Or U.S. military. Department of Defense is always concerned about it. We're sending people into combat zones. There's a distinct possibility we're going to have prisoner situation. Yeah. What's that going to look like? Well, right. I mean, it, that, that's why uh, the atrocities were awful for World War II and World War One, And, like, this is right. why it's not without precedent that these things right. were written. So I feel like right. you're going to have to really stick to the letter of the law, international right. or domestic. Um, what is that? Those who ignore history, I'm paraphrasing probably very poorly. Yeah, those who choose to ignore history are yeah, bound to repeat it. Are bound to repeat it. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, we've got some pretty bad historical <laughs> things we don't like, want to repeat. No, absolutely not. I think, um, yeah, and I think it, it's really easy. And I know we talked about this previously to just look at your Facebook feed and uh, right. find news that might it's not true or it's not really well vetted. Right. Um, and it's negative. It can be very negative. Right. And I think what you need to do is instead of being sad or depressed is to right. get the facts and really understand what's going on so that you can not feel like you're going crazy. Well, that's the essential thing here. Get the facts, get information. There are too many, they're calling it fake news. Yeah. It's not, it's misleading. It's lies. It's propaganda. It's propaganda. Yeah. And fake news makes it sound nice and relatively harmless. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. Right. There are real information sources out there. Yeah. You want information about the government, go to government websites. Uh, right now, we're talking about the president with executive orders. Mm -hmm. um, when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, mm -hmm. the equivalent of an executive order, you didn't have the internet. You couldn't go check out whitehouse.gov. Right. Now you can. Get some information about what these executive orders, memoranda, proclamations say, and start your internet search, your fact-finding from there. Right. Don't listen to your Uncle Joe or your favorite blog right? or your go-to news source that just reinforces your own biases. Mm -hmm. Or your favorite podcast to listen to. Go it, do your own research. Except this one. Right. This is yeah. a good one. This is a good one. Yes. And start with the government sources. Yeah. And then branch out from there. Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff in the government sources are pretty thick and obtuse. But legislation always comes with a summary that's very true yes because congress people many of them aren't any smarter <laughs> than you and i that's very true so yeah so they need somebody to help them too they need the clips from there yeah right. and I, I think it's good and it and if you have questions you know find somebody that maybe teaches political science or uh, go to the library and try to right. find a book that might help you understand some terms. Always go to the dictionary. That's a great place. Dictionary is a great place. Mm -hmm. Merriam-Webster is now becoming a fact checker yeah. in the realm of politics. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, very, it's very accessible. Information is accessible, but you have to make sure that you're not regurgitating information right. that is not correct. Yes. And if you don't understand it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Correct. Yeah. Just because something agrees with you doesn't make it right either. That's very true. And that's the, the trap that we all fall into. Mm -hmm. We believe we are correct and we believe that we are informed. So anything that reinforces our belief system 
automatically, psychologically gets a gold star. Mm-hmm. Even if it is factually a bunch of crap. Right. Watch what you read. If they provide evidence, that's great. If they just sound like someone giving their opinion, that's probably what you're reading. Mm -hmm. But it's masquerading as news. Right. See if you can't find actual information to back it up. Right. We live in a world, a political world, where unfortunately too many politicians don't feel the need to substantiate their claims. They just make them and they keep making them. And if seven people repeat the same lie, all of a sudden it becomes truth. Mm -hmm. Well, psychologically, there's a reason for that. The term that's floating around now, it's a little extreme, is called gaslighting. Yes. Where you have somebody, you try to convince somebody that what's right is wrong. They didn't see what they actually saw by calling into question what they believe, what they know, so that you start to doubt yourself. Right. We see that happening to us, the American population, yeah. all the time. Politicians fake newsing us, mm-hmm. a.k.a. lying to us, misrepresenting the facts to us, telling us only partial truths. Right. And if it happens to be what you, I, or your Aunt Tilly believe, we kind of swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Right. Unfortunately, and then I'll stop preaching, that's not living up to our obligation as democratic citizens, voting citizens mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad for the preaching. I think it's good. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's a true statement. You have to, you have to be well informed and know both sides of the I, spectrum, because if you don't, then how are you going to understand the other side? And it's not about changing somebody right. else's opinions. It's just saying, okay, well, that's that's not, I've actually read that, but I don't necessarily agree with it, and I'll tell you why. But supporting your argument is always a good way to go. Exactly. For example, um, Mr. Trump's statement about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, partnership TPP. TPP. Um, I was never in favor of U.S. involvement, and mm-hmm. I thought, and I am a liberal and a Democrat, and I thought Mr. Obama was making a mistake. Yeah. So while I'm not a fan of many of the things Mr. Trump's doing, I have to admit that I agree with that particular action. And I think that it was a political stand for both candidates of the election that they that was an executive order that they both were going to do. So right. I I, nobody was surprised that that happened. Right. And uh, but still, yeah, you know, I I suppose my point is I'm a liberal and a Democrat and I'm supporting Mr. Trump in this particular that one particular issue. That's doesn't make me any less of a liberal. No, no. Or a Democrat or any less of a person. It just makes you a free thinker. Right. Yeah. Get yourself informed and do the best that you can. So if you want, if you feel passionate that you want to get involved, I would suggest voting is an awesome thing to do. Voting is great. Um, And then if you want to get involved politically, um, do it. You know, nobody's stopping you from locally on a local government stage or state or federal level. Like, go ahead. If anything, this election has proved it does not mean you have to have a credentialed background to be president of the United States. So. Um, start locally and start yeah. to make some changes. Start contacting people. Yeah. Write letters. Call. Write emails. Oh, pick up the phone. Um, that is one of the most effective ways. Yeah. They all have 
uh, toll-free numbers. Yep. Their phone numbers are all published. You can call your representative, your senator, mm-hmm. call the White House, call Just your call. local officials, and that really impresses them. It does, yeah. When constituents contact them, they listen. When we don't, they don't have anything to listen to, so they do what they want. Right. So be the voice that the that your our representative is dying to hear from. So pick right. up the phone call, tell them what district you're in, your zip code, and what your issue is that you're calling about. And call several times a day if right. you want to. You want to get information? Ask them for it. Yeah. That's their job, to provide you constituent services. Right. And um, I think that's that's great. So pick up the phone, run for office if that's what something you want to do. If you don't feel like you can handle the public right. scrutiny, um, you know, you can donate to campaigns you believe in and sure. organizations that you believe in. Make um, phone calls for them. You know, there's lots phone? of stuff you can do. Yeah. The point is, if you're in a situation right now where you're not happy with what's going on, you can do something about it. Change it. Right. Yeah. Don't be passive. Don't be meek. Be a, 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 an informed and an active citizen. I agree. Well, um, we're going to keep working on getting people as well informed as possible with you coming back on several times. I would love to. And, we'll uh, work up a schedule of what we talk about. And that would be great. And we can put it out. And if people have suggestions, sure. um, let us know. Send us an email and then we can talk about that on the podcast. Absolutely. All right, Johnny, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate these opportunities. All right, no problem. Anytime. For more information on what you've heard on today's show, be sure to head over to our website, and that is recordtalklisten.com. While you're there, make sure to check out all of our previous episodes and subscribe to the podcast. You can do that through iTunes, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, and Google Play. So you can take us with you wherever you go. Now, if you have a business or you know somebody with a business and you're looking to capture an audience, well, we have one for you and you might want to consider sponsoring the podcast. If you have any questions, make sure to send us an email and that's recordtalklisten at gmail.com. We'll make your advertising dreams come true. We love to hear from you, the listener. If you have an idea for a show or um, you might want to come on the show yourself, you have to let us know. We're available to you through social media 24 hours a day. So send us an email, a comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash record talk listen. And we're at Twitter at RTL pod. So there's no excuse why we can't hear from you. This has been another episode of record talk listen, where I hit record people talk and hopefully you listen until next time. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.